everyone. Welcome into another edition of the WTOC Sports Podcast. Jake Wallace and Lindsey Goff coming to you, uh, taping this late on Sunday night, but wanted to get the episode out for you on Monday. Um, Lindsey, it was a good week of high school football. There were a lot of really, really good games, a lot of um, impressive performances. We saw a, a heavyweight slugfest at Richmond Hill Friday night. Um, two teams with playoff aspirations, deep playoff runs, they hope in their future in the Richmond Hill Wildcats and the Wayne County Yellow Jackets. And that's a game Richmond Hill comes out on top 24-21, let it 17-0 at half, and then had to hold on from a Yellow Jacket surge. Just want to get your takeaways from really both teams and, and what they showed Friday night. That's what I was going to say. Richmond Hill hopped out to that early lead, and I thought it could get out of hand pretty quick in the second half. Uh, But Wayne County came out of that locker room fighting. You know, it says a lot about a team to get down like that and be able to come out in the second half and really compete, and they did that. Um, But it says a lot about Richmond Hill as well, that they were still able to pull off that win uh, for the home crowd despite Wayne County really battling back, scoring 24 points, 21 points, excuse me, in the second half and then winning by that field goal. So really impressive performance, like you mentioned, from both teams. Um, I think it was Richmond Hill team's pretty legit. Yeah, I, I thought what I saw the most was just it was two teams that were really just throwing haymakers. And and Richmond Hill did what they did do best, which is run the ball and and try to win in the trenches. And they did that, especially when, when they started trying to kind of take over the game. They started going with that, that basically single wing uh, formation. They were calling it the Gator formation, where it was Roberson or, or um, Kenyon Hunter in the backfield just taking direct snaps. And it was basically student body left, student body right. And Wayne County had trouble uh, stopping it. And then when Wayne County needed a big play, they went to B.J. Wright, their big man, out on the outside and he would make play after play. And so it really was two teams kind of throwing their best at each other. Richmond Hill got the win on Friday night and improved to two and one and continued to, like you said, look like one of the better teams in our area, one of the better teams in Southeast Georgia and a team that's hoping to make another run towards a potential state semifinal or state final appearance in class 6a um i I don't think either coach will tell you those teams played their best friday night there were a lot of mistakes but for a week three game for two teams that have played an absolute gauntlet of an early schedule early season schedule that was a pretty impressive performance by by both squads friday night in richmond hill first rain game too so we did have that going for us yeah, a little rain early on. The field was just wet and soggy from kind of all last week, what we got. So, yeah, that as well. Another team that I just continue to be impressed by every Friday so far this season is, is Savannah Christian. Uh, they did it again Friday night in Pooler. 54-14 winners over Valwood. Valwood's a GISA school in, in class AAA, but one of the, the preeminent GISA programs. They've played for a state championship five times in the last decade. A, a really solid program that came to Pooler and, and had no fear. Um, actually had the score tied at seven early on, forced some turnovers out of Savannah Christian, and, and eventually the depth and, and the talent of the Raiders took over. 
especially at quarterback, Spencer Robichaux continuing to um, have a breakout year, if you can say that. Everybody kind of knew about him, but he has really uh, shown early on five touchdown passes Friday night against the Valiants, also ran for another six total touchdowns in the 54-14 win. The Raiders 3-0 for the first time since 2014, and uh, Baker Woodward's bunch has it rolling early on. Yeah, I mean, a 40-point win that says all you need to know about that game, Savannah Christian absolutely rolling. Another team that we've been continually impressed with, Benedictine, and they just 3-0 also. Yeah, went down to Brunswick and, and played a, a pretty tough Pirates team that's a larger classification in, in 6A, and um, Sean Pender's a, a, a really good coach that we've seen win a lot of games at a couple different places. And, and Benedictine went up early. They were up 14-0 in that game. And um, Brunswick answered with a couple touchdowns to get it close. And 21-16, the final score. Uh, the Cadets now 3-0. That was Danny Britt's 100th win at Benedictine. That program has been, you know, kind of like you can set your watch by him winning at least 8, 9, 10 games year after year. Now 3-0. and um, This was the first game where the offense didn't look you know, explosive, weren't putting up 40, 50 points. Uh, but this team continues to, I think, show that they can score in a bunch of different ways and they'll beat you on the outside with just speed, speed, and more speed. Um, we'll see them. They'll hit the road to take on North Oconee this Friday night. And then they go to Jessup in two weeks against Wayne County. That, I think, will be a lot of fun to see how Benedictine and that speed uh, plays against Wayne County, who, as we saw Friday, uh, has plenty of speed of their own. So, um, yeah, you mentioned Benedictine continuing to win, and, and they continue to show that this move up to 4A has not hurt them at all. Lindsay, what, what's the, the, the thing that you've taken away just in general from these first three weeks of, of high school football, because what it is to me is the talent in Southeast Georgia is really breaking through. I think we've seen it the last few years where you've seen players go on to big-time college programs and, and, and contribute really quickly right away. But this year, it just feels like, again, there is so much talent in the 912 in, in the Southeast Georgia area that it is, it's a lot of fun on Friday night. I feel like I need, you know, four or five different screens to watch everything happening. I've been yeah. really impressed, especially without a lot of spring football practice. You know, uh, fall camp, summer practice was was interrupted constantly. For, for a lot of these teams to come out and have their best players looking as good as they have, man, that says a lot about how talented a lot of the players are around here. Not just talent, too, but I think it says a lot to these players' accountability and their dedication. You know, they had to do these virtual workouts and kind of do things on their own throughout the spring, but especially the summer and heading into fall, and then just kind of being able to roll with the punches. You know, week to week, we've seen games, opponents change, games get canceled, um, you know, Players are out due to contact tracing, so it's kind of always the next man up mentality. So I think it's a really a testament not only to the talent 
which we certainly have plenty of. I feel like you could pick any game and there's going to be a kid playing on Saturdays out on that field. But also, I think it's really a testament to how hard they've worked and that they have put the work in and been accountable and done these workouts by themselves or in small groups and really worked towards a season that we weren't even sure was going to happen. Um, and, you know, kudos to the coaches for trying to keep them all organized and giving them workouts and things to do throughout the summer and spring. Uh, I, I think it's paid off. We weren't sure what it would look like without a fall camp or without spring practices, but it's turned out okay. Yeah, you know, look, some of these teams, you can you can see that it, it's early season for a lot of people, and there's still some, yeah. you know, there's still some things here and there that will be changed a little bit. Uh, but but I've been really impressed this this season so far, three weeks in, at, at the quality of the play and the quality of the talent um, that have that have been on display so far this season. You know, starting next week, we get even more football. The South Carolina High School League season gets started next week. Um, we've got a few teams that will be in action. Uh, Bluffton's at home, May River on the road, uh, just to name a few. It's going to be interesting. It's a sprint in, in South Carolina as they play a, a shortened season trying to get to the playoffs as they've, as they've backed it up here to late September. Um, but you know these kids in South Carolina have been kind of chomping at the bit, um, not just all over the state, but especially in, in that Bluffton, in that Beaufort County area where they're looking basically across the river and kids are playing football and going at it and they're still kind of on hold. How excited do you think these kids are going to be for their first Friday night? What do you think it's going to be like in their locker rooms as they get ready to take the field for the first time? Like you mentioned, I think there's excitement and not even just across the river, but um, some of the Skiza teams have been playing already as well. So I think the SCHSL kids are <laughs> excited to get back at it, but pressure is on because it is a shortened season. So every game always matters, but with a shortened season and you want to make a playoff run, every game matters that much more. And just the fact that whatever team is dealing with, you know, week in and week out, you don't know if, you'll have to cancel a game, your opponent will have to cancel, you just don't know. So I think that just adds extra pressure to every game that these players have. Yeah, we've already seen one of the games set for next week postponed. Uh, yeah. um, Hilton Head and, and Buford has been pushed back a few weeks due to some, some uh, COVID positive tests around the schools and in the programs, but they, they, that's been pushed back to the end of um, October as those teams will try to get that game in later in the year. Also coming back next week, Liberty County Schools will see uh, Liberty County Panthers and the Bradwell Institute Tigers both on the field. They're going to square off against each other next Friday in that crosstown rivalry to kind of get things going. And then, of course, two weeks from now, the first week of October, we'll have our first football games for Chatham County Schools. So as the season progresses, we're adding more and more. And Pretty soon we're going to have a full football slate for you coming up. Um, and I'm looking forward to that. I know these kids in Chatham County, a lot like you said, the kids in SHSL, just ready to go, ready to get out and actually play games. They've been practicing. You know, we've been over at Memorial Stadium a few times, and, and the Jenkins Warriors are wrapping up practice 
as the two teams on Fridays are wrapping up practices, the two teams are showing up, getting ready to play their actual game. So you know that those kids in Chatham County are also ready to go as well. So how was your, how was your football weekend there, Lindsay? We had Georgia Southern get postponed on Friday. That game, according to Eagles athletic director, Jared Benko, likely to be rescheduled for December 5th. The Eagles and Albie on the road at number 19, Louisiana, this Saturday. Um, we saw Georgia Tech fall to a pretty good UCF team. Uh, the Knights pulling away from the Jackets in Atlanta. And then next Saturday, we've got the SEC starting up. Georgia goes to Arkansas wow. to kick off the season, and, and South Carolina hosts Tennessee. How was your football weekend? Well, uh, I went to Kentucky, so I'm obviously missing the SEC, like all the Georgia fans around here. But it was a good weekend. Um, you know, with us not having a Georgia Southern game to cover, I was able to flip back and forth between some college football games and just kind of take it in. Normally, we're pretty busy on Saturdays. Uh, so, so that was different. Um, then, obviously, I am a Dallas Cowboys fan, for those who did not know. So for them to beat the Atlanta Falcons, sorry, Jake. That was exciting, and then I'm also a Lakers fan, and uh, they won their playoff game tonight as well. So my team's won. It was a good weekend. She's a Kentucky basketball fan, a Lakers fan, and a Cowboys fan. I'm not going to say anything. I'll just let everyone <laughs> take those facts and, look, and make, look, make, listen, their own judgments, make their own judgments. Kentucky doesn't have pro teams. Make their own judgments. Just I'm just putting facts out there. I want to go back, though, to the, to the Southern thing. I'm also like, a Kentucky football fan, though. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, go on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Back, to, back to the Southern postponement. This is something I'm interested to hear from Chad Lunsford um, today, his press conference happening on Monday. And then see from the Eagles on Saturday. Um, this essentially, it was not a bye week because the team was practicing all week, preparing to play a game Saturday against Florida Atlantic. Um, but it does kind of turn into a bye week. There's no game being played. You're, that's a little less on the body. It, it's early in the season, but how do, how do the Eagles respond to that? Because they're going to show up in Lafayette on Saturday a little fresher than the Raging Cajuns, who had to battle Georgia State on the road in Atlanta. How will Southern kind of handle the fact that that game got postponed so quickly. How will they respond and how quickly were they able to move forward? That's one of the things I'm interested in seeing. And college football is so routine oriented and everything like that. To, to not have a game on Saturday when you expected to, how's that going to impact the Eagles moving forward against a ranked Raging Cajun team that beat them pretty soundly a year ago? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, sometimes when you see a team coming out of a bye week, the first half and first quarter, they can kind of look asleep at the wheel. Um, but typically on a typical bye week, they would take it a little easier in practices that week as well, trying to get people healthy. Georgia Southern's only played one game this season, so I don't imagine they're dealing with many injuries or things like that. And then they also approached last week as a game week. So even though there wasn't a game on Saturday, up until Friday afternoon, they were preparing as though there was. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of works out and I'm sure they won't be the only ones dealing with that this season. And then a lot of eyes are really on the Sun Belt right now. Um, 
see how Georgia Southern will perform. Uh, we had App in primetime, uh, App State. Right, on over the yeah. right. So, you know, seeing the Sun Belt on CBS on a college football Saturday, there's a lot of eyes on the league right now. Yeah, and, and this is obviously a crucial game. The, the league opener for Southern, they'll kick off the Sunbelt season on the road two weeks in a row at Louisiana this week and then ULM uh, next week. Two programs that have kind of given Southern uh, some issues in recent memory. I'm interested to see what happens, and, and obviously we'll also be kind of keeping an eye on what Georgia Southern's inactive list looks like. Of course, you know, it was well known that they took the field against Campbell without 33 players. Chad Lunsford said last week that he expected a number of those guys back. We never got an official count, obviously, as the game got postponed. But if Southern can get some of those guys back, get a little bit more, to full, more close to full strength, um, we'll see what this team is. We did not see their best against Campbell, and there are a multitude of reasons for that. Um, this is still a team, I think, that expects to, to compete for a Sunbelt title. Uh, they have a lot, plenty of experience and plenty of talent. Um, Louisiana is going to be a great test, and we'll kind of get a, a, a pretty good look at where this Georgia Southern team is and how they stack up to a program that's considered one of the league's best right now. Yeah, I don't think game one against Campbell is a good measuring stick. Just because things are so different this year, everything looks a little different due to COVID. Um, I'm sure their game day schedule and things that they would normally do are probably a little different as well. And then, again, when you're missing 30-plus players, it's not your full team. So depending on how many players they have back, which we'll find that out eventually. We don't know right now. But – I think this could be a much better measuring stick. They've got one game to shake off the rust. Um, because even for, you know, we mentioned this for the high school teams, but summer and fall didn't look the same for college athletes either. So this can be the kind of, all right, let's settle in and see what they really look like game. Yeah, and, and that's a noon kickoff Saturday uh, in Lafayette. We had Tech fall to UCF. Still impressed I am by Tech so far. I know they lost this game. Um, it was closer than the score indicated. UCF rattles off 21 unanswered in the fourth quarter to really pull away. But uh, for a team with a freshman quarterback in Jeff Sims, who he made some freshman mistakes, but also made some really big plays for the Jackets. And, and a guy like Jameer Gibbs, who is exciting from the very opening kickoff for the Jackets. Look, no one expects – Georgia Tech to, to compete for the ACC title this year. No one's saying that the Jackets are going to, you know, take on Clemson and, and take them to the wire or anything like that. Everybody understands that this is still a rebuild in process in Atlanta. Um, but two weeks into the season, I'm impressed. I think the Jackets are vastly improved. Um, when they were named the, or when the preseason polls came out in the ACC and Tech was picked last, to finish 15th, I said, that's wrong. There's no way that happens. I don't know if Tech's going to make a bowl this year. I don't know if they'll win six games or even have a winning season. But I think two weeks into the season, it is very, very apparent that this 2020 Georgia Tech team is much improved from last year. And if nothing else, that's good news on the flats. Yeah, I agree. They look a lot better than they have the past few years, really. 
Um, while we're talking about the ACC, we'll mention Clemson had a blowout win against the Citadel, 49-0. Also, Clemson doing what they do as the number one team in the country, no surprise. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence was eight of nine. He threw three touchdowns. He was out of the game by the end of the second quarter. They pulled him uh, when they went up 42-0. Clemson did not score in the second half. I know that that was, you know, noticeable um, by everyone in the stands, but they just have so many weapons. They look just tremendous offensively when Lawrence is in the game. He was making pro-level throws. Um, that that team continues to be the team to beat in the ACC. Notre Dame looked good against the South Florida team. Uh, it, it looks like Clemson and Notre Dame are the top two teams in the ACC. Miami might be a, able to maybe, you know, push one of those teams or maybe both of them. Uh, but Clemson's still clearly, very clearly the team to beat so far. Uh, we'll see what happens when the SEC and, and the Big Ten, when teams like Ohio State get back to playing. But for right now, yes, Clemson very much the team to beat in college football. Trevor Lawrence is definitely a Heisman front runner too. So. Absolutely. He, he's looked <laughs> tremendous the first two weeks, and um, I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. All right, so that'll do it for this edition of the WTOC Sports Podcast. Lindsay and I will be back with you later this week previewing all of Friday's big games. We'll be talking to some of the coaches to hear what they had to say, what they have to say going into the fourth week of high school football in Georgia and the first week for South Carolina public schools. It's going to be a lot of fun this Friday night. Be sure to join us on the end zone and be sure to tune in later this week with our WDOC Sports End Zone podcast. For Lindsay, I'm Jake. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you later this week.